Have you ever felt yourself blindsided when plans didn't work out like you thought and some door that you planned to walk through got slammed in your face? Well, you're not alone. This is a common human struggle and it can be honestly very disorienting, discouraging, and can kind of take a minute to get ourselves back up and dust ourselves off and move along and find the purpose in it. Well, in today's episode, I dive in with author Lori Wood and we talk about how to make sense of closed doors and how oftentimes they are the Lord simply redirecting our steps. Now, when you jump into today's episode, you're going to notice the audio is not the quality that it normally is, and I just want to apologize up front. We had some tech issues, and I ended up having to record from my car, and it was just not the same as a typical episode. So if this is your first time to listen to a Java with Jen episode, then please do not judge the show by today's quality. Um, the content is great, which is why I still want to put it up, but please be gracious as you listen. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the content, and make sure you go check out Lori Wood. Her info will be at the end of the episode. All right, let's jump in. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for another episode at Java with Jen. I'm coming to you from my car today because Wi-Fi and modern technology was not working in my favor. So thank the Lord for cell towers. And I am joined by Miss Lori Wood, who has been here on the show before. She was in episode 131, which was with actually say it for me, Lori, because I'm going to screw up the title of it, which was related to your book. A divine detour, the path you'd never choose can lead to the faith you've always wanted. There we go. That's it. She says it so well, and I always jack it up. So <laughs> thank you for doing that. So Lori, thanks for coming back on the show. And I, I say that, guys, I actually highlight that episode because it's worth going back and listening to. It's episode 131. So if you want to go catch it, you definitely want to go catch it. But Lori has been so gracious. We have jumped so many hurdles both times that we've had to record. We have jumped so many hurdles to try to make it happen. So I'm just thrilled. It's like a win that she's on the call and we're making it happen now. So thanks Lori for being so patient. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Okay. So we wanted to go a different, a slightly different direction, relevant, but a little bit different from the last time. Last time we dug into and you shared your story about um, your heart failure and how you, it took you on this path that you weren't expecting for your life. And, you know, it's human nature for us to try to make sense of the things that we're walking through. And with this one, with this episode, it's still kind of related to your book and your message is seeing how sometimes when a door is closed is actually because the Lord's opening a door that you need to shift your perspective and look over and like, oh, there's a door over here. He's trying to open. And that's why he closed that one. And, and sometimes those closed doors is what it takes for us to get gritty and look around and get, get outside of our box of expectations. And so, um, how would you say that that plays into your story? Maybe even share like your, your Vatican story and your illustration of how you experienced that firsthand. Yes. Yes. It, this is a really literal closed door. Um, and it relates to, you know, what we talked about on the earlier episode, I just got this sudden in stage heart failure diagnosis. And I had, I was a really healthy person. I had no risk factors and no family history. And all of a sudden my heart was functioning at 6%. And so 
that was what was going on when I finally got well enough to take this vacation uh, that we had been planning and saving for forever. And we ended up at the Vatican. And so at the time, this is the first time that I had really done any traveling, done anything big since I got my diagnosis. And my husband and my daughter were on the trip and they wanted to go up to the dome, which was a huge uh, scaling of huge number of stairs and they knew I couldn't do it and I knew I couldn't do it but I didn't want them to miss out so I'm like you guys go ahead and I'll just walk around and meet you at and we set a certain place inside the Vatican where we would meet because we didn't have cell phone service I had an international plan on my phone but my uh, son, my daughter and my husband didn't have one and so we were doing the old school thing like I'll meet you here at this time and uh -huh. I'm, they went off and did their thing and I'm walking around and it started getting really full because we had entered the Vatican early in the morning and there were not that many people there, but it started getting really full. And I found myself just walking in line with this group of people. And before I knew it, I had followed this group of people right outside the, the Vatican and into St. Peter's Square. I had exited. Wow. And I, I realized as soon as I walked out that I had done that. And I turned around and started to go back in and the Vatican police stopped me and they said, no, 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 you can't go back. And I tried to explain to them that my family's on that side and they have no way to talk to me and we're supposed to meet and I don't have any, you know, all the things. And they would not let me back in. They pointed to the, to the entrance and they said I could go back through the entrance, but by then, the line was like four hours long to get back into the Vatican. And I remember sitting in the full sun, <laughs> St. Peter's Square, and I just sat down on the little fountain area and I just started to cry because I didn't, I, I thought my family would be freaking out. They would think something happened to me when I wasn't there. We had no way to communicate, but I thought I'm going to send a million text messages anyway. And I did. I sent to my <laughs> husband, I'm here. They won't let me back in help <laughs> knowing that he wasn't going to get them. I did it anyway. And just kind of sat there and for a long time, didn't know what I was going to do. And then, you know, an hour or so later, I, my husband and my daughter are approaching me where I'm sitting in this huge sea of people. They had somehow gotten all the texts. And they were fine. They were they never worried about me. They had a great time and they never even knew I was really lost. They thought Aww. I had planned to do that. And so I learned, you know, that was a really literal closed door because I I saw the door. I knew it was an easy thing. I just need to take a few steps and get back inside. And they I couldn't do it. There was just no way that they were going to let me do that. And I learned from that really literal closed door was that I could be by myself and I could survive. I had never done that since this um, chronic progressive disease diagnosis that I had. And I learned that I could survive. I learned that, you know, God was in control. He knew what was happening with me. And I didn't have to figure out all the little tiny pieces to keep all the balls in the air. And that was really a turning point in my story, um, you know, how I was gonna function 
after my diagnosis. And I look back at that closed door and I'm really thankful that it happened, even though it was so stressful and painful at the time. Wow. And you probably needed, I feel like sometimes the Lord will allow us to go through challenging things because out of it comes a really, really valuable life lesson that carries us through so many other things. And I feel like that probably helped because if that was in the early stages of your diagnosis, that can do it. I can make it attitude is probably something that has sustained you. I would imagine through the ups and downs and the bumps and turns. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it was such a new thing for my family that they were really treating me very fragile as well, because we didn't know I had, I had worn an external defibrillator vest for nine months and had at the point we were at the Vatican had just gotten an internal device and we were still kind of on pins and needles. And it was such a relief for them and for me to know that they didn't have to have their eyes on me the whole time. I was going to be okay. And I just had this, this conviction that there was more okay. for my life than just, you know, yeah. trying to manage this disease 24 hours a day. So yeah. that was a, a great, a great turning point for me. That's really huge. I, I feel like, so speaking to well, actually, why don't we, before we dive even further, why don't you give a little bit more background? I realized I failed to have you introduce yourself and like some of your background and, and context. So you're an author, you have a book, you have a journal, the audio book is coming out. Why don't you share a bit with my audience of who you are and, and what you're bringing to the table? Sure. So I am a, I have three grown adult children. Um, at the time that I was diagnosed, I still had children at home. And um, I, I am a writer now, so I struggle to say that because this is one of those doors that I didn't see opening for me. I am actually an accountant. I have a master's degree in tax and I'm a CPA and I taught college business classes for 25 years. And I always thought like so many people do that I might have this book inside me, but I was waiting to be an expert on something. And I just didn't feel like I was an expert on anything. So I didn't do anything about it. And then after my diagnosis, I couldn't really stand up in front of a group and, you know, lecture for two or three hours at a time, because I didn't have the stamina or the energy or the breath support. And that was kind of painful for me because I, I couldn't do that anymore. But I found that I could sit and type all day long. And so one of the blessings and another one of the doors that closed so another one could open is that I started to write this book that I never would have taken the time to do in a safer, healthier life. And mm. so you know, that was something that was a turning point for me. And, and once I started writing, I had, I have, you know, lots of articles published first, and then I got my book contract. But as I'm going through all those steps, I'm just, you know, I, I have small closed doors within each one of those steps, but it was leading me toward this bigger situation that I have going with the book now. And so it sort of took on a life of its own. And kind of like I felt at the Vatican. I'm like, it's out of my hands. You know, I don't have to control every little piece. So yeah, that's, that's a super big thing. One of the other things that happened in that time is 
I was trained at the Mayo Clinic to be a Women Heart community educator. And Women mm-hmm. Heart is a it's a organization that is focused on supporting women with heart disease. And it's very patient oriented and it's peer oriented. And so I, you know, became really concerned about those warning signs because I missed so many of them. And, Mm -hmm. and so that's another opportunity that came up, you know, it sort of piggybacked off my teaching experience, but it also opened up this area to really uh, help me become more of what I was looking for to be sort of an expert at something. And Mm -hmm. that has really helped me to, uh, in my own journey, but it's helped me to pour into other people too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I feel like I, I want to clarify for my listeners that as we talk about, you know, the Lord will close doors and open doors. There are, there are definitely times in life where a door that's closed, isn't the Lord's doing per se, but he allows it, you know, because, because people have a will things that we do, you know, affect other things, you know? And so I don't, I don't want to create a false belief that God gave you heart disease, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like that God causes bad things to happen, but simply we do know that God is so big and good and amazing that he can take even what is unfortunate and turn it and create good things from it. And I think that's what your story speaks to. And I think that any of us who've gone through something um, hard, you know, I think our human nature wants to be able to point to where's the blame? How did this happen? And because we want to instinctively figure out how to avoid that in the future. But the reality is there's just things that happen in life. Like none of us plan to get sick. None of us envision our um, bad things happening. We literally, when we're dreaming about our lives, none of us dream up the bad things. We just dream up the good things, but we do know that in life there are hardships. And so we can feel like, oh, this is not what was supposed to happen in my life. Well, it's just not what we dreamed up, but we don't know, you know, like our lives all take different turns. And so for my listeners, I don't want anybody that's going through something difficult to feel like God did that to you. It's the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy as, as John says in the Bible. And it is God in Romans eight twenty eight who works all things for our good. And so I see that. And that's really kind of the, the vibe, if you, for lack of a better word, the message of this podcast is God works all things for our good. So even when a door has been closed, maybe someone was abusive. Maybe your marriage didn't work out. Maybe your someone died that you didn't plan on. Maybe you got sick, maybe whatever worst case scenario, God can still use it for good. And I feel like by you finding like, Hey, I may not be able to speak and teach a class for hours anymore. So maybe that season ended, I can write. And that's a new adventure. That's an adventure that you suspected could happen. You didn't plan on necessarily, but it came and, and it added purpose to this new season that you're walking through. And, um, and I love that. I think that plays to the resilience of humankind and our humanity that we're determined to keep living as long as we're living, you know? And, um, and so when it comes to doors that will close, like, as you're talking about like doors, closing doors, opening and how like what I've experienced in my life. And I feel like doors closing that I expected to be open, or I felt I had a right to expect to open for me when they didn't work that way, a, it can be really disorienting and confusing, but I think for, for me being able to learn to step back and look at it and go, okay, generally like, 
did you actually have a right to that? And maybe even there is prophetic words about it, you know, and that's why I had these expectations, but I've come to recognize that we can get promises in our hearts and we naturally create these expectations of how it will play out. And those are in essence, usually the doors we expect to open to us. But then mm-hmm. God is so big. He's so much bigger than our imagination, right? That the doors he plans to open oftentimes look totally different than how we dreamed it up. Right. And, um, and so that's honestly how my podcast came around. I knew I was called to ministry. I knew I wanted to speak to people and have a voice into, into the nations. And the door never came open for me, even being a pastor's wife to preach or to minister like I, like was in my heart. And so in my determination, after I went through the gamut of discouragement and feeling stuck, I woke up and was like, you know what? I'm going to steward my gifts regardless, regardless who is around me and what cultures may be at play and what rules may be at play and what unspoken things I'm going to steward my gifts. Cause that's my responsibility. And so that's why I started a podcast. So it was like those closed doors almost force us to get uncomfortable enough to look around and see what else is in the room. And I feel like that's what end up, ends up happening. And so you're nodding your head. So tell me what's resonating over there. <laughs> <laughs> I so agree. I, you know, I think uh, sometimes God has more for us than this expected route, this expected life that we dream up for ourselves. But, yeah. you know, you as human beings, when we get to that threshold of that closed door, it's really where our faith is tested because we, like you said, we feel sort of entitled sometimes that maybe we had this deal with God. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I'm interpreting your promises to mean this in my life. And I think as human beings with our limited understanding, we're a lot of times not ready to understand closed doors from our perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, that history that you have with God, that faith that you've had kicks in because you know him. It's like, you know, trusting your parents or your spouse because you have this history with them, even though in that instance, you might not understand it. And I would totally you know, echo what you said too about, um, you know, God not causing bad things to happen. Um, you know, I think about it as, you know, sometimes we have something, you know, and we're talking in terms of closed doors, but something like my heart situation happened because of a consequence of some decision that I made. Um, or it might be the consequence of a decision that someone else made that's just ricocheted over to you. And, and sometimes it's like you said, it's because we live in a fallen world. The world is still not as it should be. And so we live with this imperfect body, this imperfect life. And our goal and our aim as believers is when we get those closed doors and we get that bad news, or we get that big disappointment is you know, to trust that that closed door is pushing us down the hallway so Mm -hmm. we can find this more perfect door, this better door that's going to be opened. And if we had not had that closed door, we might not see that open door Mm -hmm. that's coming in the future. So totally, totally get that, that and, and, you know, and what makes it kind of frustrating sometimes is God rarely explains a closed door. We just, that's where you have to have that long-term relationship 
And that's where that trust comes in because we, he sees that entire hallway and we don't see it. We're just at that one closed door at that moment in our life. And he can see the entire hallway. And that's the vision that we want to trust. Yeah, it's so true. And it reminds me of in Hebrews where it talks about Sarah. And this was a game changer for me because I mean, I've grown up in charismatic circles long enough that when there's a prophetic word or we have a promise in scripture or whatever, like, especially let's say, for example, someone's believing for healing. And I have, I've sat with so many people who felt like because they couldn't see how the healing was supposed to play out, that they didn't have faith for the healing. And I was like, no, 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 back up. And I was like, in Hebrews 11, it credits that Sarah simply believed God was able to do what he promised. And that was credited to her as righteousness and as faith. And I'm like, we don't have to see how it'll play out because God's imagination is greater. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask, think, or imagine. So like he thinks on a different level. So why do we think that we could dream up the play out or the process that we're going to live out? Like that's where the faith comes in. And so I have many times when the Lord's made big promises to me, especially if I'm discouraged and my hope is deferred, you know, and I just go, you know what, Lord, my heart is weary of hoping right now. I'm, I'm pretty discouraged, but I know you're able. I always know you're able. You are really big and I know you could do a thing in a moment. So the faith is not the issue. Help my hope, you know, help my heart get, get strengthened, you know? And so I just want to encourage anyone who's believing for something that Faith is simply knowing God is able to do what he has promised. And that's, Mm. that's enough. That's the faith to move the mountain that we're hoping for. Yes, that's so good. I, I think that's so true because, you know, this, the great planner that God is, he provides another door and sometimes we can't see it in the dark hallway that we're in. And sometimes we can see the door, but it's still Mm -hmm. locked and Sometimes we haven't even imagined what d- that there might be another door. And so just by believing that God's able to provide that door, that he has a plan and that we're just not in this free fall mode through life, I think is just huge in opening up, you know, what he has for us. And because I think we've all tried to engineer and micromanage our own lives and have that not work out so great. You know, whether that might be with a relationship you really wanted to work out or a job you really wanted. And sometimes we can look back and go, whew, glad he closed that door. (laughs) That's great. Mm -hmm. So we have to maintain that hope um, because of the fact that he is the great planner. And that hope is what, you know, is righteousness. So, so true. I love that verse. Yeah. And, and not getting ourselves hung up. I know someone had illustrated this for me a years ago, which really, really helped um, where she was like, okay, let's say this line right here is where your expectations of how mm-hmm. things will play out lives. And then down here, six inches lower is the line where reality lives. Well, everything in that space in between is the amount of your frustration that you experience or your discouragement because your reality isn't living up to your expectation. So whenever I'm experiencing frustration in a situation or feeling like 
like I can't make sense of it or whatever, I ask myself, okay, generally, is this an issue of things are actually wrong or is it just not what you expected? And then being able to kind of get self-aware in that moment of like, where were my expectations and why were those my expectations? Did I have a right to have those expectations? Did God actually say that? Or did he just promise this outcome and I need to trust him with the journey, you know? And so that actually helped me a lot in processing my own um, challenging emotions when walking through a cl- or walking past a closed door and I hadn't found the open door yet. That helped a whole lot. Yes, yes. I and, and as you were talking, I just thought about, you know, this is not a new problem uh, for believers to construct this expectation and then try to hold God to the expectation. Like, you know, when he wrote, when the Savior rode in on a donkey, they were expecting a king on a horse of war. They were not expecting yeah. a Savior on a donkey. And that to me tells you that he's, he has a plan. He's going to go with that plan. And what our job is to reorient instead of trying to force the things that we think he's saying and trying to reduce that frustration is just to try to, I think the way to, to shrink that area of frustration is to turn that over to him and say, sometimes I don't get it, God. I don't know. You know, recently, uh, since our last interview, my heart function has dropped twice. And, Mm. you know, I think I don't get that God, you know, I'm telling your story, I'm doing all the things, but by saying, I don't get it, but I get you, I understand your heart and I understand that you're for me. And so that, that cushion of, uh, not cushion, I guess, frustration that's in there that's kind of driving a wedge between you and God can be reduced by saying, I I know you. I don't know mm-hmm. the circumstance. I don't understand this closed door or this hard thing that I'm living through, but I know you. And yeah. and that requires us to really lean into the nature of God in those hard yeah. times. That's so good. And I love to, you had kind of alluded to this in the past about how or earlier about um, how you have to also lean into your history with God. And we mm-hmm. see that throughout the Old Testament. That's why the Israelites would build altars is because they were supposed to remember what God had done so that they could keep their faith in a place of like, oh, that's right. God took us across the Red Sea. He split the Red Sea. Oh my gosh, that's right. That way, when you when you get in that like narrow bubble of frustration, you don't lose sight of who God has been for you previously. And I think that has helped me also in times when I'm believing the Lord for something and I'm not sure I feel powerless maybe to bring any change. I can at least bring comfort to my heart and bring surrender in my heart and trust back into the picture by looking at and recounting all that he has done and the things that I've seen him do on my behalf, it just allows us to then enter into a space of peace in the waiting or peace in the, in the journey. And that helps, helps me a whole lot. And that's essential. I feel like. Yes. Yes. I love to, you know, when you think about if you're raising children or you're influencing someone, how much that can help build that trust in God so that it's sort of a a safety net for them when they do get that closed door, you're building, you're pouring into them so that they have that relationship with God. I think about, you know, 
I was raised by a mother who she knew that she knew that she knew that God was real and he moved and he worked in her life. And I have that history with God. You know, we raised our children in the church. It was all, we were all in. And so when this hit me and, you know, doors were closing and things were happening that I didn't like, I had too much history with God to just walk away. And so if you're building up that foundation for yourself, you know, we're all going to get this closed door or this detour or this no from God sometime. And so the way that we can be prepared for that is to build up that relationship that you have with him, because it was really tempting, even with all the years that I had believed, it was tempting to just go, I don't know, this isn't working out, but I just had that knowing that there was something in me. I couldn't walk away from this God. And, and I think that's a, something that we can do for other people to help them in their hard times. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, speaking of helping people in their hard times, um, you have a journal and I personally love journals because I feel like journaling is such a mental health practice that is huge and way underrated. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's so important. I, in fact, most people that I know that are journalers tend to be healthier people. They, they seem like they carry less baggage in life. Whereas people who don't journal and they just meditate on all the things all the time. It's like, Oh, can I get you a journal? So tell us about the journal that you wrote, because anyone who's listening, who might be like, you know what? I need something to help me process the season that I'm walking through, what is your journal about? How can that help them? Yes. So it is a companion journal to my book and the book is 40 essays. And so they're all standalone essays that really dig into an aspect of God's nature and how that plays out in our life today. So the journal is looking at each one and examining it from has something like this happened to you? What questions did that bring up to God? What would it feel like if you knew this truth about God? Would that change how you've processed what's happened to you? And so it goes through each one and gives room for the person to not only read, you know, my essay and what happened in the questions that brought up, but really to put it into their life and make it relevant for what they're going through. And I think I'm like you, you know, this whole thing started for me um, because someone dropped off a blank notebook in my hospital room. And I think she thought, you know, I'll, you'll write down, you know, medications or doctor notes or something. And um, instead I would wake up in the middle of the night and just write down complaints to God or questions for God or questions Mm -hmm. I had, or I'd hear a scripture that someone else would mention to me and I'd write that down. And it sort of became this uh, practice in the, Mm -hmm. in those hard nights to just get my pen out and to start making sense of what was happening, because there's a good number of us that make sense of life through writing. And Mm -hmm. when, if that's someone like you, I, I would encourage anyone to, to get a journal. And even if it feels kind of awkward at first, it gets easier. And yeah. like you said, you can really process your thoughts and your what's happening in your life so much better when you can do yeah. it and take that time. Cause there's something about taking the time 
to you know type it out or write it out that causes you to slow down long enough so that you can sift God's goodness out of what's happening in your life. It's so true. And I feel like <clears throat> for one, like taking the time to slow down and look at that, the scripture that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what journaling does. It helps us renew our minds by taking, in fact, Dr. Caroline Leaf says that there's something different that happens in the brain when we actually put pen to paper than when we just write ourselves a note on our phone. And she said, there's actually something very, very important where we can only get objective with our inner thoughts when we get it out on paper. And by looking at it, then we can kind of disassociate with it enough to choose, is that what I want to hold on to? Or should I break up with that thought? And, and it mm -hmm. is so helpful because for anyone who's, who's done anything within their mental health, or even had like maybe a wrong belief that was corrected, one wrong belief can change your life in, and send you in a whole different direction. And so journaling and processing those things, I feel like is one of the most valuable things that you can do for your overall health, for your future, for your happiness and your peace. It's so huge. And that's not to like, you know, beat a dead horse on how valuable journaling is, but I'm just such a believer in how how important it is to be aware of ourselves, to know ourselves, to process our thoughts and let the Lord come into that space and bring his truth because your experiences in life are as powerful as the narrative that you tell yourself about it. And so like, like I, I experienced that when we lost our home, we had our home flooded in hurricane Harvey in 2017 and we had 10 feet of water in our house, lost everything. I mean, it was crazy. Didn't have home and uh, didn't have flood insurance, didn't have savings because we had just built the house. We'd been in six months. And, and my prayer when we went into that was I, I hadn't told the kids yet the extreme, the extremeness of what our experience at home was going to be. And so I was just observing the kids and I was like, Lord, I'm very aware that they're watching me to see how I respond, to know how to respond to something like this. But I also know they're young. And so this is laying a foundation for how to build in how they respond to hardship. And so I was like, Lord, how do I protect their hearts as much as possible from the trauma of this? And the Lord spoke to me and he reminded me of Bill Johnson's words where he says, I stay encouraged by looking to see what God is doing. And so that echoed in my head throughout the process. Every time I'd find out like, oh, now it's three feet in the house. No, it's six feet. No, it's 10 feet. Like your whole bottom floor is gone, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so when I finally shared with the kids, I, you know, we allowed them to process. I encouraged them to journal. I encouraged them to draw. If they didn't know how to journal, I told them, we'll just draw a picture of how you're feeling or whatever. They're much younger than, and, um, but then I would point their eyes back to what the Lord was doing. This person gave us new bikes. This person did this. This person did this. God provided here. God provided there. I prayed this and God answered with this. And so I was constantly highlighting what God had done. So at the end of the year, at New Year's, we were thinking over the year. And I asked the boys, I said, guys, you guys have been through a difficult year this year. And I said, what was your favorite part of 2017? Was it your birthday? Was it spring break? Was it, what was it? And all of them said hurricane harvey and i was like wait what i was like why was hurricane harvey your favorite you guys lost all your toys and clothes and everything and they were like mom because god provided everything back and we got new toys and new bikes and new beds and new this and new that they were like it was awesome and i was like oh my gosh so in that moment i realized 
God gave me a tool to help protect their heart because I helped guide the narrative of what they were telling themselves about the whole experience. And it was cloaked in gratitude. It was cloaked in looking at the Lord and trusting the Lord. And so back to the journaling, that's what journaling does. It helps us to rewrite the narrative to be something that's going to build our heart and build our faith. And so anyways, there's the longest sales pitch for your journals ever. (laughs) No, I love it. And as you were talking about it, I also thought, you know, something else I love about journals is, uh, it, it sort of is a time capsule because, oh, you know, say one of Satan's biggest weapons is causing us to forget, you know, yeah. we can forget how sick we were, or we can forget that the hurricane was really that bad and that God brought you through. But when we're writing it down in a journal, we can go back and look at that. And, you know, that was something my husband said, he said, we should be writing all this down when everything was terrible. And I didn't want to. But I did. And because of that, bits and pieces of that ended up in my book because I wanted to share what how really bad it was and how far we had come. And so mm. it it allows you to have a record because I forget, you know, if I'm just relying mm. on myself to remember the number of times God has been there for me, it's going to be pitiful, even though I know he has. Yeah. So, but if I can write it down and go back, that's huge. And other people, yeah, like you said, yeah. your children have it then. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So how, if people wanted your journal or your book, and now you said that your audio book is going to be available very soon, right? Do you know when that comes out? Yes. It should come out, um, probably in September, end of September. So okay, perfect. Yeah. I'm an yeah. audio booker. So I love that. Yes. Um, so how can they find all your stuff? Do you have a website we can point them to? Yes, all of the all the links for the book and the companion journal and the ebook and the audiobook will be at my website, which is lorianwood.com and it's just slash books. So lorianwood.com slash books. And if people want to see a trailer more about what the book is about, they can find that there and all kinds of links to to buy. So yeah, some okay. other freebies on my website if people find them useful, that would be great too. Okay, awesome. Well, I will put your link in the show notes. So if anybody wants to connect with that or connect with you, then they can go to that in the show notes. So Lori, thanks for sharing your story again and just kind of building the faith of my listeners through your testimony. Oh, thank you. This has been so great to connect with you again. Thanks for what you're doing. It's great work. Absolutely. Well, you guys, thanks so much for joining me for another episode here at Java with Jen. I hope it's been a good one for you. And if you would, if this has encouraged you at all, go and share it with somebody that you feel like could use a little encouragement. They don't have to be going through something horrible. They could just be needing a little boost in their day. So send this episode out to a couple of people and make sure you're following me at Java with Jen on Instagram. It's a great way for me to stay in touch with y'all and I'll share with you guys about new episodes and new guests and new things coming up over there. So make sure you're following on Instagram and are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss another episode. All right, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining me. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. 
Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.